Happy Hour Hoops, baby. The Triple H Podcast back with another episode. Dunny here joined by Jake and Stevie. As always, today we have the Southeast Division preview. We're getting there, guys. 20 days away from the NBA season. What what are the vibes like 20 days away, fellas? Oh, we're close. We're at the home stretch, right? Last time, three weeks. You know I'm excited. I told you guys the WNBA got my fix, and so now I'm okay being patiently waiting. Less than three weeks to go. I cannot wait. And it's finally now seeing teams, you know, actually practicing. You're seeing all, like, the media and everything with each team. It feels like it's basketball season again, and that just puts a smile on my face. Vibes are high. That's all I can say. Vibes are high. <laughs> it, we're almost in the golden age yet again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know that. Like like Stevie like Stevie said, dude, the media the media days they've been great. Um, you know, gets gets everyone a chance to check in on like on their team. You know, the new free agents, all that good stuff. Um, so yeah, like we have some news for media day. Let's let's jump into some news and notes before we get into the division preview. Um, starting with Lonzo Ball, guys, Chicago Bulls point guard. You know, we we were kind of weary about this um, weird weird injury slash procedure that took place to end the season last year. Um, we we figured he would miss some time this season, but Lonzo himself came out and said he can't run or jump right now. Um, so you need both of those things to play basketball. <laughs> he he said it's even tough for him to walk up and down stairs. Yeah, and then. Coach Billy Donovan alludes to Lonzo probably not playing for the entire season, which um crazy, right? Especially, yeah. uh, I mean, you're panic mode if you're a Chicago Bulls fan or even that organization, I would assume. Uh, what, what, what do you guys have here on Lonzo? What do you guys think about this? I mean, I think we kind of talked about it on our central preview show, right? We were all worried about the injury. Um, and we thought it could be something that would linger. And now this looks like, and, and it's never good, right? Before the season starts where your co- coach goes, he might not play this year. Because in my head, that basically means they're expecting him to miss the season. Right. Um, I know we kind of disagreed with it on the Central Show. I'm not too worried overall from the Bulls standpoint. I know I feel bad for Lonzo. It's just just can't seem to stay healthy. But I am excited to kind of see now DeSumo and Kobe White in larger roles. I, I think both guys have shown flashes of greatness, and I think it will be very exciting to see those two players in there. But for Alonzo Ball's standpoint, it's just it's just tough, man. And it, it happens across all sports, right? They're just these players that just have lingering injuries they continuously deal with. Lonzo's no exception, and I thought he would have been a great fit in Chicago. He looked good when he was healthy, but it's just it's just sad news to see this before the season even starts. Yeah, I, like you said, we alluded to it before, worried about the injury his, and the history of everything else, too, if you want to talk about it. Like, Lonzo has had dealt with injury issues basically his whole career, so wish him as speedy as a recovery as he can, yeah. but it's it sucks for him, and it sucks for the Bulls who, you know, gave him – a lot of money and, right. and needed him and need him to be a big piece on this team to be a contender. And uh, that's the, that's one of the pieces to it. Not trying to, his health is the most important thing, but as a bulls fan and as a, as a, you know, us looking at the bulls in the East and the 
whatever the landscape's going to be, it's tough to imagine them competing with the top teams without a healthy Lonzo ball. So, yeah, it's, it's the, the biggest thing is it's like so disappointing, just like the small glimpse we had of him and Levine play together because you saw it could be great. I mean, having yeah. those guys run out in transition, Steve, you met, you mentioned the young guard play they have behind Lonzo. I mean, that would just add to it. Now, right. those guys are filling in instead of, you know, being a helping hand to Lonzo. Yeah. Um, yeah, so tough situation for Chicago. We'll see how it plays out, but, you know, I guess expect no Lonzo ball this year for the Chicago Bulls, or at least for most of the season. Someone you guys can expect to see this year, though, is DeAndre Ayton in a Phoenix Suns uniform. But is is he happy about it? <laughs> do, do we know is he happy about it? Is he trolling the media at this point? Um, a few questionable videos came out yesterday where reporters you know were kind of asking Aiton is he happy to be yeah Jake Jake will play it here here for you if you're watching he's he's got the video pulled up but we should be able to get some audio here as well yeah, hold up one sec gotta pull the audio keep going yeah but no Aiton basically just you know being asked if he's happy to be here and he's like he kind of just says I'm here ready to play doesn't really say if he's happy or not um I haven't spoken on no, I haven't spoken at all. Ever since the game. So, not even, not even. No. Open that game. I'm here. You have to be here. Yeah, I'm all right. When I'm in between those lines now, I just work. You know, I'm not playing for myself. You know, I have an organization across my chest. And then I'm going back and I have to play if you could talk to Monty, what would you want to talk to him about? What would you want to tell him? How? If you could talk to Monty, what would you want to talk to him about? What would you want to tell him? I can show him better than I can tell him. So, a little all over the place because, you know, they ask if he's spoken to Monty Williams. He says he hasn't since, you know, the season ended last year. Um, then he's, they ask if he's happy. He said, uh, he's all right. He's not really here for the individual stuff. Uh, he, he has the organization across his chest. So kind of contradicting, like he's not happy. It doesn't seem like he's all that happy to be with the Suns, but he's willing to put in the work for the Suns to prove his worth to his coach who he's not talking to. Um, <laughs> you, you kind of, I don't even know. I don't know what kind of tool you need to be able to follow exactly what he's saying, but I, I, I wouldn't be pleased if I was a Suns fan. And not that, you know, they should be directly mad at anything Aiton's done, but, like, please, I wouldn't be pleased in the sense that, like, what the hell is going on? I thought this would probably have been resolved once we signed him to this big contract and brought him back. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought, too. It almost sounds like right now, and this is never a good sign for one of the players that you want to build your team around or part of your core, right? It sounds like he's just playing for the money at this point. Doesn't yeah. sound like he's buying into the Suns. Doesn't sound like he's buying into the coach. Doesn't sound like he wants to be in Phoenix. But you know what? Everyone has a price, right? We talked about it a few episodes. Everyone has a price. And I don't think he can turn around down that $130 million. I think it's $30 million this year he's getting. I think that's just kind of what DeAndre Ayton's motivation for playing is right now. And I don't know. You know, it's everything so cryptic right now with the NBA media, especially before the season starts. But it almost seems like that's kind of how I reacted to it is DeAndre Ayton's like, I'm here because they're paying me a shitload of money. And there's really like no other reason why I'm still here. 
Well, let's remember he did. It was a matched offer sheet, so he yeah. did try to leave. He wanted. He, yeah. he was ready to go to Indiana sure. and sign and be a member of the Pacers. So I, I think that everything that we heard from last year, the drama and everything else, was true. And clearly, there's yeah. been some shit going on with that organization. We know Robert Sarver is now looking to sell the team after the, uh, after the reports and everything that right. came out from the, the reporting from the league. So clearly, it's it doesn't sound like it's been an ideal environment to work in. Whether how much that trickles down to the players or not remains to be seen. I don't think that they've mentioned anything like that or anything, so don't want to speculate too much there. But I'm I'm a big body language person. You just watch that clip. That doesn't yeah. look like a dude that looks to be happy oh. to be there at all. Like you, you can take whatever you want from the answers, but just the way he looks is just like like you said. He's there to collect the check. He said he's there to work. I think that that's basically what that means. Like I'm gonna be here because I need to be yeah. here, but. It's going to take, it feels like there's going to be some uh, trust that needs to be rebuilt among that team and in that locker room, specifically with DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, and I like that you mentioned the Indiana thing because just based off that interview and Monty not speaking to him, like that's, I think that says more about his relationship with Monty Williams more than about if he wants to be there or not. Like that's... It's one thing if you're the player ignoring the coach, but like to have no conversation with your star center that you just signed to this massive deal, there's obviously a disconnect between those two. We saw it when uh, DeAndre Ayton apparently refused to check into a game last season, uh, at the end of last season, and there was kind of a little scuffle between them then. And then to sign that big deal and to not be speaking with your coach, that's weird. But I do like that you brought up the Indiana thing because it's like, it makes sense that he wanted to go play in Indiana. You got to play more freely, which it seems like he's looking to do that. He would mm-hmm. kind of be the guy on that team, or at least him and Halliburton. Yeah. And I would assume if he doesn't get along with Monty and kind of just wants to do his own thing, he probably hates a guy like Chris Paul, where here's a guy in Tyrese Halliburton he can go play with. He's much younger. He's a lot more open-minded. He isn't really this you know, firm team captain. Um, and it's going to be like in DeAndre Ayton's face every time he makes a mistake. Like those two can grow together and be the face of the Indiana Pacers. Whereas here, he probably doesn't feel loved. He didn't feel wanted because it took him so long to get this deal done. Like I don't blame him for wanting to go to Indiana. Very, very sticky situation in Phoenix, though. I don't, I don't want to speculate too much, but that's that's what I'm pulling from this. Yeah. No, I think that's a great point. And I guess uh, if we're talking sticky situations, guys, something we have to talk about happened between last episode and this episode. Everything, everything always breaks right when we right when we get off. Yeah, right. Like an hour after, and then the day after, the biggest news days. (laughs) Yeah, was the I think the email thing literally was the night. It was that night. It was like that 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 night. night. (laughs) Yeah. So. I mean, even if you aren't a basketball fan, unless you're Patrick Starr and live under a rock, you've probably heard the Ime Doka news um, suspended for at least the 2022-2023 season, will not be the head coach of the Boston Celtics. I'm not even going to like try to speculate of what's going on. I mean, you guys have all seen if – you're, if you're listening to our basketball show, you've seen the Woj and Shams uh, – reports obviously there was some sort of um relationship that happened within the organization that was broke the team's guidelines and rules um that's as much as i'll say about it because there's been flip-flopping information uh i'm I'm not going to try to report something that i really don't know all that much about 
But the fact is, we know Ime is not coaching. It sounds a lot worse right now than originally reported. Um, there's some sort of misconduct or something else going on behind closed doors that we don't know about. But not going to be the head coach. People are speculating that he probably won't coach again for the Celtics. They're kind of just trying to figure everything out. That's the only reason it's only been a year suspension right now. Um, but it's horrible. I mean, you, on top of everything and, you know, feeling bad for the players because the, the media day for the Celtics was easily the weirdest media day for any sports team I've ever seen. You know, obviously that's what that's what the reporters are going to be hitting them with, with questions. It's going to be nonstop. What's going on? What's going on with this? Like, what did you know? What do you know now? Um, and I'm sure it was a combination of them knowing probably just as much as we do, maybe a little bit more just because they're involved. And then probably them trying to keep face for their organization and for themselves. Like they have a season to play in 20 days. They're worried about getting back to the finals. I'm sure, you know, Ime was their guy. I know they 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 had really close relationships with them, especially the Jays and Marcus Smart. So regardless of, you know, what happened and how bad it is, they're hurt on some sort of level because they lost their coach and they really don't know what's going on. Now they have to get bombarded with questions about it. Um, so that's that's basically what I want to say. I think at the very least, I, I, I feel really, really bad for the players. Um, this is a, this was the most highly anticipated season for the Boston Celtics in like the last 15 years. Um, well, I guess less than that, like 10, 10, 11, 12 years because of obviously 07, 08. But I, I don't know. It's just it, it's it's really tough. It's it's bad. Um, it's it's bad all around. I mean, it, the only thing that could make this worse, like, it's if you know if you had a, a bad roster or if Jalen Brown did get traded this summer. I guess the 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 positive here is you're rolling out a lot of the same guys. Uh, it's a group who's still motivated to win. Joe Missoula is going to be the new head coach a guy who is nearly three years younger than Al Horford, your starting center, <laughs> which is, is going to be weird. Um, bottom line, this Celtics situation is going to take a lot of getting used to. Um, and yeah. And also on top of all that, Rob Williams is going to be out yeah. for 12 weeks to start the season because he ended up getting a procedure on his meniscus and that came out of the blue as well. So, um, that's that's my take on it. I really don't want to have too much of a strong opinion either way because I don't know the facts. I'm not going to do what some people did um, and kind of you know lean one way and then have to backtrack. I'm not here to do that. Um, I'm still excited for the season. I feel bad for the players. Um, and yeah, if you guys if you guys want to add anything to that, feel free. I think you laid it out perfectly, Donnie. The only thing I will say, and I've been saying this before any of this news came out, it's the losing a championship. It, it always takes a toll on the team that lost the championship, right? Maybe there's a little rust to start the season, and we see it across all sports. It's a little bit of that championship hangover, and the Boston Celtics – I was a little worried about them coming into the season because of that. And now you just have a giant distraction, regardless of I'm not going to take a side one way or another. It's just a distraction. That's everyone can agree to that. Whatever comes of this, whatever the final, you know, whatever happens with Doka, it's just a distraction right now for these players who already have enough that they're distracted and on top of the Robert Williams injury. And you said it with a super young head coach, 
it's not a good sign. It's not going to be a great, you know, start to the season. I don't think it may be a little rusty, but I just, I feel for the players because this is just something no one wants to deal with in any organization, especially coming off a championship run. Because before any of this, Donnie, I think you and I could have both agreed that we loved Udoka as head coach of the Celtics. We, we thought the Celtics were in a great spot. So now it's just, it's going to be tough. And I mean, we'll see what comes of it. Like I said, I don't want to take a stance right now. You laid it out perfectly. It's just a distraction that is going to continue to be a distraction for, I think, a while for this team. Yeah, you guys said it. I mean, I don't. I definitely. I haven't said anything on Twitter, and I haven't even brought it up to. I think you guys that much at all either, because there's so much that we don't know about what's going on, and that that's that's been intentional. I mean, Wick Grosbeck and, and Brad Stevens stood in front of media and we're like, we're really not going to say anything because we, we are going to keep it private as long as we can. I'm assuming that has, that's, there's legal reasons behind that and something like that. That's at least the, the biggest assumption you can make when people don't want to talk about it. Cause you would have, you would think that they would love to get some kind of story out there. They don't want this to just be yeah. lingering like that, but if their hands are tied, their hands are tied. Um, so well, it remains to be seen. It is an unfortunate distraction. It's unfortunate for everybody involved. Um, and hopefully they get some clarity um, going forward. And that, that's really all you can say about it at this point. But you're trying to focus on a basketball season. Like you said, I do feel for the players as much as anything else. And whoever was affected in this. Um, yeah, just not not an ideal, not a great story. And like we said, like, the, the speculation has been kind of too crazy. That's my biggest thing is like we like yes. been some irresponsible speculation since this broke last week. And that's right. that's one of the things that like with these kinds of stories, like it doesn't matter about being first. Like Woj's tweet to begin no. with was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It was ridiculous. And it kind of yeah. started the whole thing and every uh, and we haven't gotten a lot of clarity. We know we know a little bit of a little bit and like kind of a whatever, but that's just it's just a just a reminder to anybody that is looking to comment on anything in sports and anything like that like make sure you know what you're doing like don't just recklessly think before you send think before you do any any of these things because these are real people that are actually affected not just blocks on your computer screen doing it so that's really like the biggest takeaway for me yeah i one last one last piggyback off that. I, I had a sports journalism professor in college who always just told us it's better to be second and correct than first and wrong. Yeah. And I don't know necessarily if Woj was wrong per se, because I guess so, some of the details were there. But what I will say about Woj's tweet is I, th- I think it was irresponsible. Like, if you can post like pretty much a paragraph of information and by the time you read it, you get nothing from it, it wasn't worth posting. You're just that, that's what started all the speculation. And the only reason I want to bring that up is because Jake, you brought up a good point. Like the, the people's names who got dragged, which it's just it's just uncalled for and no one deserved that. Anyone who is wrongfully speculated on or his name was thrown out there or a picture, um, you know, especially the woman in the organization, but anyone who whose name got dragged during this, um, just wrong, unfair. Um, and yeah, I think I think it was it's been and continues to be reported on poorly. That's kind of why. You know, I don't have an opinion on it. I do have an opinion on the way it was reported about, but I'm I'm not going to make an opinion on it until we get more information. So, um, 
We'll try to stop with the negativity here. And Jake, want, the last piece of news is a little bit of excite, excitement for your team, a possible Jay Crowder reunion to the Cleveland Cavaliers. What do we think? Here's the thing. He's rumored for your team, too. Yeah. He's rumored so, for a bunch of like, exciting spots. All yeah. the teams he's already played for, he might go back. <laughs> Well, LeBron hated Jay Crowder, so really he got, he got. Oh yeah, Jay was. They did not get along, and if you don't, Jay Crowder got moved to Utah pretty quickly at, around that trade deadline when the Cavs retooled there. So that was a uh, yeah, that was not a it wasn't a good first stint for Crowder in Cleveland. I I would my initial reaction was I was excited about it. I think they still need to solidify that that three position in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Um, They've Bickerstaff basically came out and said it's a wide open competition right now. Like anybody who you think is going to get minutes at that, Okoro, Osman, Windler, Dean Wade, Lamar Stevens, all those guys are in a, they're all in a competition right now. All of them. But I'm talking with some of my fellow Cavs fans, friends, not as excited about the Crowder thing, worried about the age, worried about the um mm. just wondering if he can still be a starter and on a on a winning team. Um shooting only 34% last year. That's basically his career average. Is that worth it to put out there over a guy, a young guy, hungry guy like Lamar Stevens or a guy who can get streaky like Seti Osman? I still would rather have it just for the insurance policy and just as a proven quantity. Um, what do they have to give up? They just gave up a lot of a lot of assets for Donovan Mitchell, obviously. Um, but any of these teams, I think if Jay Crowder is going to be on the move, there's a lot of teams that can benefit from having a guy like that. I would say I would like him in Cleveland, though, if he came down there. Yeah, I think he'd be a great fit in Cleveland because he doesn't even have to do too much. It's just kind of that veteran presence, right? That tough, physical player, that veteran presence. He can occasionally make the outside shot that would just help the Cavs because the Cavs' core, it's a young core still. Jared Allen's very young. Garland's very young. Mobley's a baby. And Donovan Mitchell is pretty young. Like you, you, It would be nice to have a guy that they can run with. And even if he doesn't play like full starter minutes like he did in, in a Phoenix, it, even if he plays, you know, just maybe 20, 25 a night, and then they throw some of the other guys in there, I think it'd be a great fit in Cleveland. Yeah, I I like the names you brought up, Jake, because I think I think a lot of Cavs fans, and maybe this is maybe not the case with your friends, like you mentioned, but like aside from Stevens, maybe he's a guy who I'd want to see more of if I'm a Cavs fan. But you guys know what you have instead of Osman, man. I no. mean, he's like you you guys just know what you have. Um, I, I'm not saying like he's a bad player or anything, but I think. You, you put a guy like Jay Crowder in the rotation over him, even Okoro, because I think Okoro, at least as far as I've seen, has been a pretty big disappointment for the Cavs. Uh, I think they're expecting a little more from him. So those guys, I think, you know, if those are the guys that get shipped out or if those are the guys who lose minutes, I think that's that'd be a no-brainer for me, especially the moves you guys have already made to okay. kind of fall into that contender category, which I think you guys did when you got Donovan Mitchell. So, And then – um. Yeah, you, you guys mentioned possible Celtics too. I think the only way that happens for us is if a buyout happens because we don't really have the means to to trade for him right now. Yeah. So we'll see. But, yeah, I mean, it looks like he's headed to some sort of contender, so something to watch for. I think it would be a great fit for your Cavs. We'll see. We will see. You guys, you guys ready to preview? So we are. Let's get to it. Start Starting the, off, yeah, go ahead. The Miami Heat 
Jimmy Butler's luscious locks. <laughs> Stevie, do you have any opinions? What do you What do you think? Are they're, Are those not, Is he lying? It's not real. There's no way that's real. There's, I refuse to believe that's Jimmy Butler's actual hair. The best though was like the the clip where he did like the little dribbling for the photo shoot, and the hair was just blinding him. Yeah. Just all of his face. I'm like, there's no way Jimmy Butler's rolling out. I know he's a character, but there's no way he's rolling out game one, and that's how he looks. Like there's. I, I don't believe it. I refuse to believe it. It's. I think it's a stunt, just like LeBron's. <laughs> yeah. Just for, for some reason, NBA players now are like, oh, "I'm just gonna change my hair up, and that's gonna get clicks." And it does. <laughs> it clearly does. It clearly works. But I'm not buying it, Jimmy. No chance. He did. He did say he was switching up his hair all summer to troll people. Like he's he's said that much, but he hasn't said if it's fake or not. And like, there's just. There's just no way it's not. Like I've, I'm someone who's grown my hair out a couple of times. Yeah. It takes way longer than that to get that type of length, dude. Dude, his hair um, is ridiculous. It was down to like past his nipples. I mean, come yeah. on now. He looks like uh, Willow Smith whipped my hair back and forth. That's, <laughs> that's, the, that's the vibe he's going for. But Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat lost – in a wild, wild game seven to my Boston Celtics um, in the playoffs last year. 53 and 29 or over under for next year, though, is 48 and a half wins. We don't really need much discussion here because we all have the over. Um, yeah. Jake, Jake why, why are you taking the over here for the Miami Heat? I, they're just, I think they're a 50 win team. If I don't, I mean, the, I'm very concerned about. The, my, I shouldn't say very concerned. My biggest concern is the age of Butler and, and Lowry and how that could affect them in the regular season because um, I'm sure that they'll be cognizant of that, especially if those guys are nicked up at all. But Bam Adebayo is still ascending, in my opinion, one of the biggest defensive forces in the league, um, still adding to his offensive game, a guy that I would build around my franchise with if I had the choice of guys. Um, so I just think you look at the, the East and the, the top teams – they're, I think they're going to be right there with with your Celtics, with the, you know, with whoever else is is contending there, the Bucks and everything else. I still think they're in that top tier. Now, last year, didn't think that they were. I didn't think they were going to make the conference finals. Didn't think that they'd end up in the position they would end up. They proved that wrong, and I think that I'm going off of that a little bit with the winning attitudes and everything else they have. But they didn't really lose anything. Um, a little bit of, you know. A little bit of drama over the summer with Tyler Hero being in every single trade package offered for Donovan Mitchell, and he was doesn't seem too happy about that. But maybe that is kind of the light under the fire he needs after a you know up and down year last year. So I just think that fifty three, like fifty to fifty three, is the range of this team as long as the age doesn't catch up and injuries don't catch up to him. Yeah, I'm kind of right there with you, Jake. I mean, they basically brought back the same team as last year, and the only big difference from last year to this year is they're healthy in the preseason. Last year, that really wasn't the case. They were waiting for some guys. Some guys, you know, weren't really participating at the start of camp this year. They they are healthy. They're ready to go. 
And I mean, we didn't really see anything in the heat last year to not think that they're going to be above 48 wins this season. Jimmy Butler is a superstar. He's great. And, you know, Tyler Hero, I know he was included in Trey Pexas. I think it will. I think he's the type of player will will light a spark under him, regardless if he comes off the bench or if he's actually going to start this year. Who knows? But Tyler Hero is someone I think that could make a big leap this season. And like you said it, Jake, I mean, this is just the same team. They're, they're a good team. They've been a good team. It's the Miami Heat culture. It's just how they've always been. Um, and the big thing for me is their health right now. We're, we're not dealing with lingering injuries. We're not really concerned who's going to be starting game one. It, they, all their key players are healthy right now. They added Nikola Jovic, not Jokic, Nikola Jovic. So we'll yeah. see what we can get out of him because he's another exciting prospect from over the sea, which um, I'm really excited to see how he fits in with this team. But I'm excited for the Heat. I think they're going to be just a good team again. I don't know if they're going to win a championship, but I don't think there's a reason to say they can't win a championship, if that makes sense. I think they're just one of the NBA's best teams, and they're deep at the position is where it matters. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in, I mean, I'm in agreement with you guys. It's, it's pretty simple for me why I took the over. It's Jimmy Butler, pretty much the same team. They got a little thinner on the bench, especially uh, with the bigs, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but you mentioned they brought, you know, they brought in Jovich and Eric Spolstra. I mean, he just, he wins. Right. He wins games. He He's good at finding diamonds in the rough. He's good at developing players. They were a 53-win team last year. They, I, I, I think there's no reason they get to at least 50. The line's 48 and a half. Just made sense. Um, Not to mention question. Udonis Hot Haslam's back. That's that's a big <laughs> part too. Oh my god, dude! Did you guys see? <laughs> he said he said the 2022-2023 season is going to be his last ride. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Your last ride on the bench, dude. You've been doing it for the past 10 years. <laughs> and don't dude, I love it. Haslam because like he, like he was a good player in his day. Like his, his yeah. mid range, Jimmy, like you put it up against anyone's. He, he brought a certain toughness. He was heat culture. Like I get it, but like, you're, you're like it's not like you're you're not having an exit tour like you're Kobe Bryant. But you can't call it the last ride. <laughs> you're not as Haslam, man. Yeah, it's been you your been, last ride. <laughs> yeah, you've been memed the past three years, dude. Like, oh, it is. It's it's. I honestly, I guess I can't be mad at it because I get a laugh out of it every time. So no, yeah, I got to so respect that he's forty two and he's still playing in the yeah. NBA, right? Yeah. Good, good for Haslam. Don't no one throw him any lobs this year, please, for the love of God. Uh, burning question, guys. Stevie, start us off. What do you got? I alluded to it when we talked about the Heat briefly. Tyler Hero, do you think he's going to come off the bench again, or do you think at some point this year he's going to become a starter? Because, like you said, he was included in all those kind of trade packages. He's probably not happy. He's out there to prove himself, and I think he's a guy who will play with that type of motion. And also, too, let's not forget, he's 22 years old. He's still young. He still has a lot of room to grow. And I think to see him actually get more regular minutes could help with his consistency, which was the biggest issue last year right because there'd be some games he'd come off the bench he'd score 14 points in his first like four minutes on the court and then there's other games he just couldn't find his jumper and I think a lot of that comes into not really getting the consistent minutes or not getting the starting minutes getting the flow of the game you think Tyler Hero at 
this any point this season will be a regular starter for the Miami Heat, or do you think he's just a six man? Mm, you can take this one, Jake. <laughs> Is he going to be a good defender? That's really what it comes down to for me, because I don't think he really has been yet in his career, and I feel like that's right. the reason they won't put him on the floor. And I don't I, can he even be a good defender at the at the two guard position with his side? So I don't know. I haven't seen it yet i'm not too confident in that and i feel like that's the biggest holdup. but if you're gonna man I, I think you make a lot of good points with the consistency though if you want if you want to see him at his potential i think he sh you should just give him the minutes and honestly he wasn't it was it was a weird a weird kind of rotation they had with that two guard all year they could never really settle on anybody between Struess, between duncan between him like they were just kind of going with a hot hand i felt like most of the time yeah. and this is the guy who has the most potential out of it and i would just like i like i mentioned earlier this is an aging core like it is besides bam like your two stars are are in their going into their mid-30s now this is a guy that you're going to need to find out what he's really made of. So I would put him in that. I think they should put him in that position. Mm -hmm. The defensive upside is what's going to change it for me. Yeah, I think, I think you're right, Jake. I, I think that's what it will probably come down to, especially if Oladipo is healthy the whole year. I, I actually, I actually think they would throw him in to be a starter over here, whether he's deserving or not. But Old Depot looked great last year. And he's someone who actually, when he's healthy in this league, is known for his defense. So if that's what it really boils down to, he'll get the he'll get the nod. Um, the only thing is, I think I think if I was the coach, I would start him, especially in the playoffs. I mean, the games that they lost or got completely out of in the playoffs were games that they couldn't find offense outside of Jimmy Butler to start games. It was those yeah. games that Bam would go non-existent. It was those it was games where Max Struess wasn't hitting his ridiculous long balls. And it was games that people game planned for Jimmy Butler, and they took him out of the first quarter. And then, you know, but before you know it, you're down 15 points before Tyler Hero even checks in. So I, I think it would be a smart move to do it, you know, maybe be on him a little more. He's talked about how he wants to be a starter. So, you know, maybe it's to start the season, it's a prove-it thing, but – I think they'd be silly to not to not slide him in and at least give him a shot this year. Yeah, I'm with you guys. And you brought it up too, Donny, with the playoffs, right? We saw Tyler here average almost around 21 points per game in the regular season, only around 12 in the playoffs. And I think yeah. a lot of that comes into the playoffs. It's a different type of game, right? Yeah. It's a more intense game. It's a more emotional game, more physical game. And it's hard for a guy to get into a rhythm, especially when you're a streaky shooter like Hero coming off the bench. I think he should start, but... I think we'll see with the heat because you never know. I mean, it's it's heat culture down there. And if you're not playing that type of defense, you're not going to start. This is how it is. Mm -hmm. Jake, what's your question at? Now, my question was just Jimmy Butler's hair. So you can go ahead. We, are, we, already got, yeah, yeah. we, we got that one out. <laughs> we could do a full episode on that, but we won't. We really uh, could. <laughs> no, mine's, mine's pretty simple too, guys. Um, Bam Adebayo. Jake, I know you, you know you, you started when we started talking about the Heat here. You, you're high on him. I, I love the talent. I think he's great. I think he's a great defender. Same thing as Tyler Hero, though. I think there was games in those playoffs, especially in the Celtics series, that he was a little too non-existent for me. I think especially with Lowry and Butler aging, like you said, Jake, Bam needs, needs to um, 
he just needs to assert himself more. He needs to prove how dominant he can be. It's great when he does in the regular season. It's great when he puts up a, you know, a 20, 15 and yeah. five blocks game or whatever he's capable of. But if he's not doing it in the playoffs, if he's not doing it when it matters, then it doesn't really matter. Um, are, are you guys worried about the heat and their thinness at, in the front court and, you know, bam kind of being what he's been the last couple of playoffs, Jake, I know you said you're, you're, you're pretty confident he'll continue to ascend. Um, am I overreacting about Bam a little bit, or what do you guys think about that? No, I still want to see him be more aggressive, and I think that that's that's where this team can take the next step is is fully handing it over to Bam. Whether that means that they can actually be a winning team, we don't know. We haven't really seen it, but if that's got to be the plan in the future, right? Like with with these two aging guys, so I have high hopes just because I think Bam. Bam being the star that he is, even to this point, I don't think anybody was expecting when he came out. I think that he had high potential and went to the perfect place to maximize that potential in Miami. But when Bam got drafted, no one was like, oh, Bam out of bio, surefire, all defense player, potential all NBA guy. And he has ascended to that point. So I think we know he's going to put the work in too. And that's always something that I look for is, you know, the guys that are just at it all summer long. And Bam is definitely one of those guys. So mm-hmm. I just would really like to see him have more of like a face up offensive game off the dribble, like stuff like that. Like where can he get more effective, getting himself to the bucket, getting himself, just getting himself better looks. I think if he can turn into a guy that, you know, they can actually go to down the stretch offensively rather than running it through their guards or running it through Jimmy, it's a whole nother dimension of this team. I don't know if he is going to get to that point. Um, but and it's tough because he's playing center at six nine, so it's always going to be a challenge at at that side at that position doing that. But I mean, last year nineteen and ten, um, it, it, the scoring the scoring acumen is there. But when he got to the postseason, it was down to fourteen points a game. So that's you can't be at fourteen points a game if you want to be considered the best player on your team, especially in the playoffs. So. He needs to figure out ways to get get to his shots and, and I think add more to the arsenal to really be considered that. And I feel like that that's probably what he's been working on all summer. So I'm, that's why I'm just really – he's the biggest unknown for me, and I'm really excited to see what he looks like game to game this year for Miami. Yeah. I mean, I think you kind of touched on it, Jake. But my biggest thing with Bam, and this is – we know a couple things about Bam, right? He's 6'9", like you said, Jake. He is technically an undersized center. People don't really consider him an undersized center because he's a ferocious defender. He's an unbelievable defender. He's a freak athlete, and he's great on the glass. Like That's why people don't consider him an undersized center. But one thing that is known about Bam and something won't change is he's he's a liability on the outside shot. He's not going to shoot the outside shot. All he does, his work is basically in the paint. And my biggest thing with Bam is he's very good in the paint. And we've seen spurts of it where he's just dominant inside there. But he only averages nine career shot attempts per game right now. And this is a guy, it's slowly been steadily increasing he averaged 13 a game last year but i think this is a guy who needs to get 15 to 18 attempts per game to really show what he can do offensively because when he's on down low he's incredible and what the heat don't want he's always going to be playing because his defense is amazing he's a pretty decent playmaker for a big man 
But with Bam, you don't want him to turn into a cone, right, where he's just kind of standing there on the offensive side. There's no threat for him to shoot outside. You have to run the offense through him a little bit because if you don't, he's just kind of standing there. And if he's not getting the ball, he's not getting his attempts, he's not really helping you on the offensive side. And if Bam wants to take that next step, I just think he has to be more aggressive because we've seen spurts of him where he's dominant, especially in short stretches in a game where he'll put up 15, 16 points in a quarter. But with Bam, he has to be more aggressive. He just can't be this conservative type of player down low where he's only shooting nine, ten attempts per game. And we saw a lot of that in the playoffs. The Heat can't have that right now. And I know Bam has been dealing with injuries a little bit. He only played 56 games last year. And the Heat's front court depth isn't the best right now. But he's someone I think has to play aggressive. He has to have that mindset that I'm going to put up 18, 20 attempts a night. Yeah. yeah. All right. So we'll, right. we'll see about the Miami Heat and Bam. And speaking of the Miami Heat, they knocked off the Atlanta Hawks in the first round last year. Atlanta, Atlanta Hawks 43 and 39 last year, over under win total for this season is 46 and a half. Me and Steve both have the over. Jake, you got the under here. Start us off with the Atlanta Hawks. What do you, what do you like? What do you not like? What do you got? Uh, I know they added DeJounte Murray and <laughs> all that stuff, whatever. I would still like to see this team play some good defense in a in a meaningful basketball Fair. game. And DeJounte Murray does not help that. Now, regular season wise, maybe they can maybe they'll still be able to get over it. What we got 46 and a half. They won 43 last yeah. year. Could be. And I and when we get to Charlotte, I think that'll help. Um, I do think. My Cavs are going to be one of those teams that has a better has a better record going into this year. It's more of a numbers thing for me, just looking at teams like, oh, who am I going to, you know, and I was talking about that last week too. Like one of these teams, if I'm picking a bunch of overs for the East, has to be under. Um, I still think, I don't know, now I kind of want to change it back to over because I'm looking, looking at it again and like, I don't know if the Bulls are going to be there. I do think the Nets will be there. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to stick with under just because I'm not, I, I I think the Murray thing is going to help them offensively and might help them in the regular season. But this team still, I don't think they're still going to be able to play a lick of defense. The only guy that really wants to play defense apparently is Clint Capella. Did you guys see the? Uh, did yeah. You guys see the tweet. The, the <laughs> what they want, like what they want for this year. Everyone says championship, and Capella's just like first team all defense. <laughs> in the Eastern Conference Finals. He, and he he's even, yeah, he's, yeah, he's got high goals. <laughs> Uh, I love Capello for that. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just don't like this team's defensive ceiling. And I think that when they play these top teams in the East, whether you're talking about the Boston Celtics, the Nets, the the Bucks, the Heat, all these teams, I don't think that they match up well with them. And that's why I've got them at it under. Yeah, so me taking the over was kind of the same reason I took the Timberwolves over last episode. It's almost like... You got that talent. You got the talent you were seeking. You have the hype. Now go do it. It's kind of like I'm expecting it because of the way they're talked about and the way they they project to be. Uh, I'm taking the over because you know they need three and a half more wins than they had last year. I think it's doable. I also didn't think they would have John Collins returning, and then obviously Dejounte Murray and Trey Young. We've never seen it. Should be should be a pretty exciting backcourt. I think they have the talent to do it, but Jake, I, it's not that I disagree with everything you're saying. I think you're right. I don't think they necessarily stack up that 
great with everyone in the Eastern Conference. I don't think they'll really be a scary playoff team, you know, if if they ultimately make it to that mark, which I'm projecting them to. Um, but yeah, I, I just think the talent's there. They should be able to do it. But yeah, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of with you where like let's see it before before we start uh, giving them all this credit. Yeah. And if you're watching on YouTube uh, or live right now, Jake Jake threw up the the projected, I'm guessing, starting five for the Atlanta Hawks. It's DeJounte, Trey, John Collins, Clint, and um, DeAndre Hunter. And they they all have Polaroid pictures. <laughs> and they, they wrote their goals at the bottom, and everyone said win championship or championship. And Capella said first team all defense in Eastern Conference Finals. <laughs> The social team did him dirty by even putting that up. They should have been like, yeah, I know. like everybody else said championship. You might want to just write championship. Or maybe set, they did and he was like, nah. I set want the bar low and, and achieve high. That's true. Yeah. That's true. That's true. <laughs> That's just- Gotta respect Clint for that. Gotta respect. I'm taking the over too, Dunny. You said it. Big thing for me is I think DeJounte Murray is one of the most underrated players in the NBA. I know he's not great defensively, but he had the second most triple doubles last year behind Jokic. He was 13. Murray is a guy who's going to take so much pressure off Trey Young. And the reason I'm taking the over is because we're going to get those games where Trey Young's just going crazy, shooting lights out. But the game's in the past, or last season when Young was cold, was it great? That's when the Hawks would get blown out of the gym. That's when they weren't good. Now you have another guard in there, Murray, who can be the primary ball handler, who can get everyone else involved. I think he's going to take so much pressure off Trey Young. I think he's going to help Trey Young have a huge season. And also, too, and I'll bring this up with my burning question, I think there's a guy you guys didn't talk about too much, but I think's in for a big year with this Hawks team. I like the pieces they have. Akan was healthy, which will be another big man that they can help because Capella's not playing 40 minutes a night, but he's another one who can help a good defensive big man. I think the Hawks are going to have a good year. I don't know if they're built to win a championship, but I think they're going to be a great regular season team, and we're going to see a lot of games where the Hawks are going to score 130 points on their opponents because they're just going to be a relentless attack. Yeah, so we're, 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 I guess, I think we're all kind of saying similar things about the, the Hawks. I'm just, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know what to think of this team, but uh, let's, let's break it down a little more with the burning questions here. Stevie, why don't you start? Cause I actually, he's probably one of my favorite players on, it probably is my favorite player on the Hawks, who, who your burning question is about. So let's hear it. It's about DeAndre Hunter, and this is kind of more, I guess, a bias-burning question than anything. I think DeAndre Hunter is going to be very, very good for this team going forward. I loved him in college. He was so good at Virginia, and we kind of saw it was, granted, it was a small sample size, but he became, instead of, you know, John Collins, he became the one not the one B. Trey Young's the one, but he was the number two after Trey Young in the playoffs. Averaged over twenty a game, looked really good. And I, I know with Murray now, it's going to be Trey Young, Jante Murray. But I think, I think DeAndre Hunter can be the third there, part of that quote unquote big three, because every team has a big three now. I want to know your guys' expectations for DeAndre Hunter, and do you think it this season he'll be more valuable to the Hawks than John Collins? Because John Collins is a great player, but I think this is the year that I think Hunter kind of overtakes Collins as 
he's I think he's more versatile offensively, and I think DeAndre Hunter is someone who, if Trey Young is getting double teamed or whatnot, Hunter's someone he can create his own shot. Collins isn't the best at that. He kind of needs more help to get open. I think DeAndre Hunter is really going to turn into not a superstar, but a guy who can do everything you need. And he's someone I think who could average, especially with adding into Jante Murray, 18 to 20 points a game, kind of what he did in the postseason. So what are your expectations for DeAndre Hunter? And do you think he will be, I guess, a more important player than John Collins for this team going forward? It, you, this works right into my question, so we, we don't have to go there because my question was about John Collins, and I'm completely with you. I, I think DeAndre Hunter is going to usurp that, and I think it's as much to do with the upside. Everything you said about DeAndre Hunter is true. Like The upside's always been there, but yes. I've been a huge fan of him since coming out of college just as well as you just for – I mean, defensively is a stud. A yep. freaking stud and has well, shown way more Virginia. He has to be, right? Yeah. That, yeah. So he he's a he's awesome there. But I'm just wondering like what the ceiling is for John Collins at this point. Like he, there was all these high hopes about him be and getting max contract and everything else. And they kept him because they kind of didn't really have a choice. Like he didn't want to lose him, didn't want to give him up for anything, trying to build this core up and everything. But I think everything you just said is perfect in the in line with where I'm at. I think that Hunter is gonna overtake Collins for all those reasons. And Collins has just been disappointing the last couple of years. And he doesn't really get, he doesn't look like he's improved yeah. as much as you think he would. Um, and now, especially with DeJounte Murray there, like Collins is, he's dropping down the totem pole. And what's that going to look like this year for a guy that isn't going to get the same amount of touches? Is he going to be happy? Is he going to, you know, it, there's a lot of questions. And I think that's what it centers around for me um, with like the pecking order of where they're going to be, because I feel like, you know, Murray and Trey are going to have the ball in their hands a lot. And who's going to benefit from that more? Is it going to be Collins? Is it going to be Hunter? And I feel like Hunter is the guy naturally, if, as long as he can stay healthy, that will be the, the third guy there and slot right in. Yeah, so I, I can answer both of your guys' questions here at the same time. Um, I, I'm going to agree with you, Jake. Like, I'm kind of – or I'm kind of surprised John Collins, like, hasn't really progressed – as much as I thought he was going to, he, you know, when I thought he was going to be the real deal is when he wore that shirt to the press conference of him dunking on Embiid the game after <laughs> he dunked on Embiid. I thought he was going to be, I was like, all right, if you do something like that, and he was playing fantastic in that series up until that point. But really, since then, he's he hasn't showed up in big moments. He's had some injury issues. There's been talks of him not really wanting to be in Atlanta. And I think DeAndre Hunter came in, kind of showed what he's made of, and since then, hasn't really looked back. And he has, I think, surpassed John Collins on the depth chart, you know, on touches, his involvement in the office, all that stuff. Um, and, yeah, there's really only room for one of them to be the third guy in this big three. And I think it's DeAndre Hunter. I think DeAndre Hunter, you know, everyone on the – or every NBA fan loves to rave about the way the Golden State Warriors play basketball and moving without the ball, <laughs> slashing, setting screens, being getting open at the three-point line. I think DeAndre Hunter does that nearly just as well as all those guys on the Golden State Warriors. He really does not get as much credit for how well he moves without the ball. I think he's one of the best slashers in the league. And then if you leave him open from three, he's going to knock it down. Sure. And, and you, you guys mentioned it. He's a good defender as well. 
Um, so I think this this is easy for me. I think uh, DeAndre Hunter's for sure like that that third or next guy on this Atlanta Hawks roster. And I don't know, John Collins might just be a twelve and nine, ten and ten guy for the Atlanta Hawks until yeah. until his time's up there. Which you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but I think right. Hunter's the superior player. Um, right, Tony, do you have your burning question? Yeah, so my mine's kind of simple. It's it's about Dejounte, the newcomer. I, I just wanted to ask, like, are we are we anticipating too much production and offense from Dejounte? Maybe because the way I see it, you know, you mentioned I didn't know that stat about him being second in triple doubles last year. That's that's extremely impressive. On a bad Spurs team, right? A bad supporting cast, well, and right. he's done it kind of his whole career with that Spurs team. And now you're looking, he's, this is the best team he's played with in his career. Oh yeah. And not to take anything away from him, but that that's kind of my point. Like he played for the Spurs and did this. He didn't have a ball dominant guard that he played alongside. Really. There's some other good guards there, but you know, no one to the level of Trey, obviously. Right. Um, and, and DeJounte is a guy who I wanted to come to the Celtics. I thought it would have been a great fit. But are we maybe projecting this a little too much? Because he did do that on the Spurs. He did. He was able to have the ball in his hands a lot. That allowed him to not only score, but play make, which seems to be the two things everyone's excited the most about for DeJounte. Is, is I don't want to say, is he overhyped? Because I think he's a great player. But are people maybe overlooking and maybe getting a little ahead of themselves about how happy they are to see DeJounte and Trey play together like we we don't know that it's going to work out I'm sure they'll be fine they're a scary backcourt but are people projecting a little bit too much for these two Jake you can start I think that's an incredibly fair question I think I've been wondering the same thing since they made the trade it was a weird fit to me when they made the trade to see those it's going to be weird to see those two guys in the backcourt together um the point of all the triple doubles and everything I mean, that feels like a Russell Westbrook usage type thing. Like, who else mm-hmm. is going to to get the assists, the points, and, and the rebounds for that Spurs team? Who Greg Popovich without Dejounte Murray? Thank you guys. I hope you guys saw that the other day. Not too high on them. Told no. the reporters, do not bet on us to win the championship. Which is just, it's very true. Don't please don't bet on the Spurs to win the championship. But just <laughs> just a weird thing to say um, about your team. <laughs> Um, under i'm assuming we're all gonna take the under for that that team (laughs) yeah yeah, most likely yeah um but i'm worried it's it's defensively more than anything and i know i i've said that so many times on this but it really is the biggest worry for me with this hawks team and especially those two guards like are they gonna be able to be on the floor together and what's that going to look like and i don't trey young you want to talk about usage rate I mean, Trey Young's usage rate has been sky high since he came into the NBA. What does Trey look like with a guy who next to him that needs the ball to be effective more too? Like, I don't know if they're a good pairing together, really. Like, the way – I don't know if they're going to – I think they'll still be able to, you know, be effective on the offensive side and, and be able to get to their own shots and everything. But is it going to be the most efficient – duo in the league with those two guys together i just don't i don't know i I have i have doubts about that um might be on the opposite side of both of you guys i have loved Dejounte basically since he came into the league i think he's super underrated because the spurs team has just not been exciting since he's really been in the league he's just kind of does what he 
needs to do. He puts up the numbers, but it's not just the numbers he puts up. He can attack the hoop. He's a very good driving guard. He's a very good playmaker. And I think this helps take so much pressure off Trey Young. Cause like you said, Jake, Trey Young, since he's been in the league, has had one of the highest usage rates of any player in basketball. Murray's going to take so much pressure off him. He's going to allow him to get much better looks too. And it's going to kind of be that classic situation where they can kind of alternate who takes the ball up the court, who we're going to run the offense through. It's going to be a situation too, where if Trey Young needs to rest on the bench for a few minutes, you still have an all-star caliber point guard leading your offense and vice versa. If DeJounte Murray, say he gets in foul trouble or say he's, he's riding the bench for just a few minutes, you can put Trey Young there. There's no concerns. The biggest concern is the defense. And we do sound like a broken record talking about this all the time, but they are both not good defensive guards. And that is concerning with how elite guards are across the entire NBA right now. They're not the best defensive pairing, but I think offensively, I think the sky's the limit. And I think this is a really, really good fit to not just you know, get people to realize how good DeJounte is, but to really kind of help Trey Young and take so much pressure off him. Yeah, so we'll see, man. I, I I love I like Dejounte the player too. I'm just kind of I'm just worried that people may be over projecting. It's kind of like I said, it's kind of the same thing I feel for the Timberwolves team. It's like is is there too much hype? Are right. they going to fall short of that hype uh, more than anything else? And Jake, if you if you didn't do this on purpose in the dog, it's the happiest accident ever because. <laughs> <laughs> because first we, we went for Miami who eliminated the Hawks in the playoffs. And now we're going to the Charlotte Hornets who got eliminated by the Atlanta Hawks in the play in. So if you do that on purpose, well done. Um, it's not, just the order. It's just the order. They ended up in the standing. So, you know, they just, they just kept true. That's to true. Exactly yeah, where they, they were to themselves. The yeah, they did. <laughs> um, yeah, literally did it to themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, we got the Charlotte Hornets, 43 and 39, lost to Atlanta in the plan. Like I just said, over under on this team is 36 and a half. We are all on the under. I can guess why. I'll start. It's they didn't improve. Miles Bridges is up in the air, mm-hmm. and they didn't improve. I'll say that one again. <laughs> and it's, look, it's, look at their front court. I mean, yeah, it's and that's what they so needed to improve, bad. right? And they did, they did nothing. Yeah. It's still so bad. Yeah. Um. What I think with them winning 43 win- games last year, that's like surprising to me because the way they looked at the end of the season, I wouldn't have guessed that they won that many games. Right. Um. Be, you know, just being away from thinking about the Charlotte Hornets all summer, which I had no reason to do that. Um. I didn't even know that they had won that many games last year. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going under Ridge, and it's pretty simple for me. Yeah, I don't want to overthink this one. You're, you're potentially losing your top score from last year, right? We, we're not really sure what's going to happen with Bridges, but I don't assume he's going to play anytime soon. You're losing that, and you didn't improve anywhere else. LaMelo can only do so much, and I was the first one to admit I was wrong about LaMelo. I thought LaMelo was not going to be a great player. I didn't really think he was going to be a uh, a star, but he's really turned into that, but you can only do so much. Just the supporting cast, there really isn't anything there. I'm tired of seeing Plumlee and P.J. Washington in the front court for this team. I'm just sick of it. I think this is kind of the season where – 
they're going to have to do one or two things. It's like, can we, you know, because LaMelo is someone you want to build around, you want to have as your core. It's like, well, we're going to have to do something quick because we're either going to be missing the playoffs consistently with a guy who is probably too good to make our team really bad, or we're just going to have to blow it all up. And the Bridges, everything that happened in the offseason with Miles Bridges just does not help the Hornets whatsoever making that decision. So I'm going under. It's another thing, too, a distraction, right? You had this distraction this entire offseason, and you just have a team that didn't improve where I think 85% of the rest of the NBA teams did improve. So I'm going well under. Y'all said it perfectly. <laughs> I mean, they, they they haven't done anything. The East around them improved. Um, they've got drama surrounding them. That just screams an under to me. And it's a crazy that's 36 and a half for a 43 win team. But I think that's because Vegas is thinking the same thing we are. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel like it's not going to be a very good, very good year. And it's good. It would be sad if that was the peak of what this core is going to be, which brings me to my burning question right away. I'll get right into it. Is LaMelo Ball... A, going to re-sign with the Charlotte Hornets. I wouldn't if I was him. I would be surprised if he did. With the state of this team's at right now, I'd be surprised if he did. I mean, they just what they just signed Leangelo to a ten day or like a non guaranteed yeah. or their G League team or so. I don't really know the specifics on that, so I'm sorry. But it seems like they're already trying to do stuff to kind of please them and keep them around. Um but yeah, I don't. I, I, I mean, at this state, unless they make a drastic move, I, I would guess no. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Tony. They have to do like, and Lamelo Ball, the Ball family in general. It's a tight. You have to please them if you want to keep them around. Lamelo Ball is gonna see a bigger city, brighter lights, and be like, hey, I want to go play there, and I wouldn't blame him. He's, he doesn't want to stay in Charlotte, especially if this is the team you're rolling out with him. Nah. Yeah, this. I mean. This can kind of funnel right into my question. Like, I, I don't, I thought maybe I was exact. Like, I thought maybe I was crazy if I, if I had to ask this. But like, this might be a serious thing. Everyone and the Hornets, especially, need to consider. Like, is their window that wasn't even really there already missed? Like, there was some serious promise there when you look at Lamelo, Terry Rozier, Miles Bridges, and a healthy Gordon Hayward. But now you yeah. have Hayward on this crazy contract that Michael Jordan decided to give him for some reason. And I love Gordon Hayward, but like way overpaid, in my opinion. Bridges, we don't even know if he's going to play in the NBA this year. Uh, we don't know what the future holds. Like you said, LaMelo is probably not all that pleased. And, and Terry Rozier is Terry Rozier. I mean, he's he's a walking bucket. He's great for any team. But if it's him by himself, that's not that's not moving any needles. So is their non-existent window already missed? I mean, we're taking the under 36 and a half, all three <laughs> of us. So I think I think there's your answer, right? Because yeah. unless they do something, unless they get some generational talent for next season, I don't think that window's opening anytime soon. If I'm taking an under 36 and a half at the state of what the NBA is right now, that means that I don't think that team's winning or coming close to a championship anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe maybe they're tanking for uh maybe they're tanking for Victor. That that would probably be the best move. At least the way they look right now. You know, maybe yeah. maybe we're wrong, maybe they're better than we think, but what if LaMelo Ball is the superstar that we don't know that's going to ask for the trade? That's that's like that's True. what I feel is more likely than them. Yeah. 
contending anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, actually, sad, that, but... that's no, that's true. I, I, I think it's much more likely Lamelo <laughs> leaves than this team becomes a championship contender with him. It's yeah. sad, but it's true. Why don't the Lakers just add another point guard and get Lamelo Ball? Yeah, why not at this point? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are we, we good to move on to the Wizards here, guys? Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. All right. They uh they missed the playoffs. So no one no one in this uh no one in this division eliminated them. We've we've stopped stopped the streak there. 35 and 47. Um we all also have the under for the Wiz as well, guys. So a sad, sad last couple teams we've talked about here. Um kind of similar situation i guess for me than the hornets they didn't really get much better i don't think um i love brad beal man i think they have some good supporting guys but i mean it's it's just not it they don't they don't have a playoff roster in my opinion not enough guys that move the needle i think brad beal took a little bit of a step back last year in my opinion um so yeah i just i don't see it i'm going under yeah i'm under too i mean Porzingis just has kind of been a disappointment since he left the Knicks, and it's sad because I thought he had so much potential, but he just really hasn't shown anything. He didn't show much in Dallas, and it, it really said a lot with Dallas shipped him off for what they got back, right? Dinwiddie, a couple other pieces. It was just they were tired of Porzingis, and I'm not too thrilled about Porzingis. And, yeah, Kyle Kuzma had a good year last year for the Wizards, but, guys, it's the NBA right now. No one's scared of Kyle Kuzma. No one sees Kyle Kuzma roll up on the court, and they're like, that's someone we have to worry about. I just – this Wizards team is just very, very less – like, it's just – Outside of Bradley Beal, there's no one who really gets me too excited. Like, Corey Kispert was good at Gonzaga, but I don't think he's going to be an NBA star. No. He's going to be a good role player if you need him, but the Wizards can't really afford to have him be a role player because they don't really have much else. Um, I'm taking the under as well. I think the Wizards potentially have a chance to be one of the worst teams in the NBA just because I think a lot of the teams that were really bad last year got some really exciting draft picks and added some pieces the Wizards, you, you can't go 35 and 47 and then just kind of do nothing, right? Everyone's going to catch up to you eventually. So I think the Wizards are going to fall down. I would say potentially this is a less than 30 win team. I'm complete agreement. And I will go right into my question with it. And I made it a theme with Lamella last time. And I think you know, Brad Beal signed that brand new deal. I think that that made him more tradable. He wanted to get his wanted to get his big deal. Is Brad Beal a trade target for a team this year? Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead Stevie. I was just saying, I think any team would want to have Brad Beal. It's just a matter of making that become realistic, right? Yeah, so I'm in agreement True. with that. Like, I think most teams want Beal. I think we I think that was pretty clear this summer, obviously. No one no one really jumped on it, I guess, and he did get that bag. But I think that was kind of one of those situations where we saw player or organization being being helpful to their star who's kind of been loyal to them. You know, we see it in all different sports where they allow them to get either their money or sometimes they let them pick on, on between a few teams or where they want to go. Um, so yeah, I think, I think Beal could get traded. This is my question though. And it kind of has to do with it. That's why I'm kind of jumping to this right now, but 
Bradley Beal did say, you know, he's been an all-star. He's done. He's played at all NBA level. He's put the ball in the basket, you know, better than a lot of other guards in this league for his entire career. But then he said the last thing he wants to do is win. I don't see the Wizards winning this year. I mean, we all just took their same thing as the Hornets. Like we all just took their win to, total under, and it's in the 30s. So he's he's obviously not can't be talking about the Wizards winning. So I wonder if like that's in the back of his head too. Like maybe he maybe there's already something kind of in the works, or maybe this is something he discussed with the Wizards when he got that contract. I wouldn't be surprised at all if we saw Beal on the move. And I kind of think he's already alluding to that because I don't think he's doing much winning in Washington. Yeah, I mean, I don't – like I said, I don't think this team's going to be good at all. So if Bradley Beal wants to win, then he's got to go elsewhere. It's a a simple answer. I know it's a boring, simple answer, but I just don't think he wins with this team. And I don't think the Wizards are in a position – to build around this team if and he's been loyal to them so if he wants to win i think they're going to ship him off to a contender somewhere he probably wants to go and i think that's the right move and then it will be johnny davis's team well yeah that's <laughs> that's kind of where i was going with 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 my burning question i mean and jake you can answer the bill thing too if you want but my my burning question with this kind of goes into how we all think the Wizards are going to be bad. I think this team eventually is going to have a full rebuild where they blow everything up. Is there, and I was going to say besides Johnny Davis, because they just spent a high draft pick on him, is there going to be anyone that you think the Wizards want to keep around if they do go the rebuild route? You know, obviously in this scenario, beyond shipping off a lot of guys they could try to get picks and assets for, but in terms of players they have on their roster right now, Outside of Johnny Davis, is there really anyone that the Wizards would be like, no, we're keeping this guy. He's untouchable. He's going to be part of our core. No. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think so either. And I like Kispert. I mean, I know Denny Abia was a pretty big bust so far at this point in his career. But, man, I, it just it doesn't look great. It doesn't look great. Even Johnny Davis, too. We haven't seen him play yet, but it could be if they get – crap load of just assets and picks for him why not at this point it's the nba we've seen high draft picks get swapped before oh yeah yeah I, the, the only guy i could think of is kuz because i feel like he he did have a good year mm-hmm. he's still on the younger side he's 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 kind of a fan favorite wherever he goes to he kind of kind of you know puts butts in seats so maybe but i mean Obviously, if their deal is right, they're they're shipping Kuzma. So I I don't think anyone's untouchable on this team. Yeah, um, and yeah, know, I would I would blow everything up. Yeah, every every single tank, full on tank. If you're gonna do it, yeah. This yeah, this could be another team going for Victor, man. Who who knows? I mean, I'm sure we're gonna see a tankathon this year in the NBA. I think. Um, some a team that probably won't be tanking though because they hopefully got their own victor they got their own guy um the orlando magic 22 and 60 last year rose um but they got the first overall pick they did and their their over under for win total this year is 26 and a half if you told me that the orlando magic only had to be five wins better than last year and they have paulo now i'm taking that over might be my favorite over of the entire oh. like, league. I I think the Magic are going to be much 
much improved this year. Now, I don't know if it means a playoff team. I don't even know if it means a play-in team. But the 26-and-a-half wins is disrespectful. I look at this, too, and this goes back to the other teams of their division. How are the Wizards and the Hornets both projected as a win total 10 wins above this Magic team? I don't understand it. I could... I could see, and maybe you guys will disagree with me, I see a very real possibility where the Magic are the third best team in this division. And I wouldn't, I would not be shocked. I think in terms of the opposite of the Wizards, where you have young guys, you talked about a first overall pick, Paolo Bancaro, who is probably the most pro-ready of any of the prospects. Now, granted, I will say on record, I wanted it to be Jabari Smith. I love Jabari Smith. I thought he was should have gone one, but Bancaro's great. You really couldn't have gone wrong with any of the big three. Franz Wagner was one of the most underrated rookies from last season. I think he takes a big step up this year. And Jalen Suggs could not have played worse than he did last season as a rookie. I think Suggs is another one, too. They invested a lot of high draft capital in. I think he has a lot of potential. I just see so much potential with this Magic team. And also, too, if we're talking about you want to talk about a fun team to do a rebuild with in 2K, you did an NBA 2K season with this Magic team with Mo Bamba and Bol Bol as your four and five. You're, you're the favorites to win the championship. I mean, this team exactly. Wendell, who played fantastic last year, this team has a ton of potential. I love the young core, and I'm still, and I know I'm probably going to regret this. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up on Obama Bobo yet. I'm not giving up on either of them. Um, but outside of those guys, Van Caro, Jalen Suggs, Franz Wagner, I really do like this young core, and I think the Magic are going to surprise some people. I think maybe not a great team, but in a fun team, an exciting team, a fun team, and it's been a while since we've said that about the Orlando Magic. I'm with you guys. I think that, Donnie, we were talking about uh, last year when we, when Al hit us with that Cavs 27 and a half, and that was automatic over. That's what the Magic feel like right yes. now, honestly. Like, automatic. This team is, they've got so many good pieces, and no one ever wants to project the jumps that guys are going to do but the way they looked like together last year in some spots just looked really exciting looked like there was an actual core and Paolo coming in the biggest thing about him was he was going to be the most NBA ready guy like he was going to be able to step in get on the floor and and contribute right away and maybe at an elite level like I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if Paolo's averaging upper teens at, at, in this year in something like that like dude has has an NBA level skill set right now so yeah, I'm going way over with this, and I think that they could be a play-in competitive competitor with, especially if you're talking about the teams like, I mean, who else is going to be in that group? The Bulls probably, um, the the Hornets, who we just talked about, we're not high on. Maybe the Wizards, um, maybe the Hawks, Raptors, those teams like that. Like, I feel like the talent on this team, I like it as much as any of those teams. Yeah. You could even say Nick's magic. And it's like, it's not would, like, would, it, right? it's closer than people think. Yeah. Pe closer than people are willing to, to admit for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, magic. I, and one last thing I want to say, cause you know, we can talk about these, these young guys and prospects that have, um, that have a chance to, to really be something on this team. What better spot than Orlando? Because you know, they're, they're going to have long leashes, man. They're going to let these guys play. They're going to be, be able to figure it out, you know, who fits where. 
And something else to keep in mind, like they still have a few guys like Terrence Ross and Gary Harris who are more than capable of putting the ball in the basket. They can teach these young guys Mm -hmm. a thing or two. Um, So it's not like they're relying all on um, just these young guys. They have a few guys like that who can put the ball in the basket if they need it, you know, in closer games or, you know, if there's an injury to Fultz or Suggs or Cole Anthony. Um, and, and the youth on this team is just absolutely crazy. I mean, I just got looking up and down the roster. I, I didn't do the math, but the, their average age has to be like 25 years old, maybe younger. They're super young. They're super long and they're super athletic. And that's yeah. kind of why I really like the magic because they have so many of those stretch forwards that can shoot, but they also have ridiculous wingspans. And I know he's been dealing with injuries so much too, but I would love to see if Jonathan Isaac could be healthy for this team because no one talks about him too. You throw him into the mix. You have Franz Wagner, who was the most disrespected rookie from last year's class. He averaged over 15 a game. This is a guy who did everything right everything you wanted to at michigan and jalen suggs who we raved about a couple seasons ago yes he had a bad rookie year but man there's so much untapped potential for this team now everything would have to go right right you'd have to have the guys be healthy you'd have to have those giant long skinny center big men that they have play to their potential but at least it's there and you add in the number one overall pick who jake said is the most pro ready and i don't think it's close as i liked jabari i like chap but everyone was saying van carroll is the most pro ready and he's a guy too who won the duke locker room as a freshman as a true freshman won over the duke locker room he turned into the quote-unquote their captain their leader that's a very real possibility here and the guy's 19. It's, yeah. I just I think the sky's the limit for this team in terms of untapped potential. Will they get there? Who knows? Because it's the magic. But I am <laughs> I'm thinking positive here, guys. <laughs> yeah, I, if if it's okay with you guys, we should. I have a crazy Jonathan Isaac stat. I want to I want to end the show yes. with. I'm, I'm glad Send you it. brought him up. I I have high hopes for him. I, I hope you know he he pans out as well. But this I saw this the other day on Twitter, and this is crazy. Uh, Vince Carter has played a game in the NBA more recently than Jonathan Isaac has. That's wild to me. I know it it hasn't been that. That's more a testament of how long Vince played, but it's kind of wild. Pulling for Jonathan Isaac. I didn't think we would be this high on the magic, but here we are. Here we are. Apparently, we should all be locking in some magic futures before we I might do it right after this. I, I might have to do it right now and if you're starting a 2k franchise if you got the new 2k please do a starting five lineup bancaro wagner isaac mobamba bobol because that would be the most fun 2k lineup imaginable it's like five six foot ten seven footers because in 2k it doesn't matter you got the wingspan or whatnot you're blocking everything you're making everything I need, I might I might do that after this. I might start my magic That's franchise. That's a great Wednesday night. That sounds like yes. a great Wednesday night. Steve. Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. Well, that was the Southeast Division. Uh, next week, Southwest Division, and then we will have our preview pod, our, our awards, our our finals predictions, all that, and then the show after that. So we're I'm projecting very ahead, but three shows from now, we will be talking about actual NBA basketball. We'll be previewing an actual game. Yeah. Wow. Let's go. Let's ride. It's almost here, boys. It's almost here.
All righty. Thank you. Thank you all for tuning in. For Donovan Holden and Steve, Jake, Micah. Follow us at Heavy Our Hoops 1. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great night, folks. Peace. See you guys.